Hi there, and welcome to The Works. I'm Ben Che. And I'm Ben Peltier. The word euphonium comes from the Greek word that means sounds good or sweet-voiced, so you'd expect an instrument of that name not to be too hard to listen to. In part two of the show, we talk to Stephen Mead, who has done much to get the instrument the recognition he thinks it deserves. And we also look at a dance festival that was set up by a group of dancers a decade ago and is still going strong, the iDance Festival. But first, singer-songwriter Banai Kasui is an Aboriginal singer from the Amis tribe in Taitung. Her songs speak of the lives of Aborigines in Taiwan and the relationship between man and land. Benai came to Hong Kong two weeks ago to promote her coming concert and found that some things going on here reminded her very much of home. Yo 也认识台湾其他族群的文化，学了很多的歌谣，在原舞者，然后开始写歌，把自己对这个世界的感受用歌来表达。Singer-songwriter Banai Kasui was born and raised in Taiwan's Aboriginal tribe community. Her father is from the Amis tribe, and her mother is from the Puyama tribe. She left home while young and followed in her father's footsteps by moving to the city. It wasn't long before she was drifting around Taiwan, performing at numerous restaurants in Taitung, Gaoxiung, Taipei, Daicheng, and other places. At the end of December, Banai will return to Hong Kong for Perhaps Someday, a concert that she performs with a guitarist, a bass player, and her husband, Nabu Husangan Istanda, who is an Aboriginal vocalist from the Bunun tribe. In recent years, Banai and Nabu have been taking an active role in social movements in Taiwan, from the anti-Miramar resort protest to the no-nuke homeland movement. 
They say they are writing and performing for the children and their future living environment to protect their homelands and to raise awareness of the need for social justice. Then Like people from all around the world, many Taiwanese are among those who have supported Hong Kong's umbrella movement in the past two months. To support the protesters, a group of indie musicians and bands recorded both a Cantonese version of Do You Hear the People Sing and a Taiwanese version of Umbrellas in the Night. Kai 面对一个这么大这么大10 years ago, a group of independent dancers set up the iDance Festival here in Hong Kong. The aims were to build a sense of solidarity among people in the dance circle and to get more attention for contemporary dance in Hong Kong. This year, the month-long festival, which ends on the 21st of December, is once again offering a variety of both free and paid programs, including an exhibition, classes on improvisation, and cross-cultural dance workshops. One of the many attractions and events during the iDance 10th year anniversary is an exhibition called Dance New Vision 2014 in the foyer of the Hong Kong Cultural Center. Images, text and multimedia and video installations introduce the public to the performers here for this year's iDance Festival. Improvisation has always been a key element of iDance. Dancers and musicians work together to celebrate spontaneity and creativity to make dances, sometimes around chosen themes. 
For Improvisation Land 54, some of the dancers, including those from Poland, the USA, and Hong Kong, met just before the show started. Nothing was pre-choreographed, but one of the ideas they explored was stealing. I feel like to encounter someone who is brand new, try to steal something is the fastest way to get to the essence of someone. I would think in terms of dancing, you could steal movement ideas, you could steal uh, facial expressions, you could steal um, different way of moving. With this group today, particular this group, we have very different kind of training. And I feel like stealing is a very direct way to try to not mirroring, but instantly you take an idea and you can tra translate into my own body. The in group it can be more interesting because you have more vari varieties, like you don't need to stuck in your own qualities and this is very often the danger of, of soloists because then you can get other influence, other inspiration, other qualities and you can share yours. I think this is, this is something what is necessary to, to be, to exist because it gives the, the, the possibility for people to meet, to exchange the knowledge but not just this knowledge in the words, in the books, but body knowledge. Welcome back. Earlier in the show, we took a look at the cross-cultural exchanges taking place between the participating dancers at the iDance Festival. For many dancers, it's an opportunity to learn from one another, and both local and visiting overseas artists held workshops on improvisation and performed. Fergus O'Conscher from Ireland was one of them. This week of December, marked as a Dance, Multimedia and Improvisation Research Week, culminated with the performance Improvisation Land 50. One of the international visitors, participating artist Fergus O'Conscher from Ireland, has been giving improvised and site-specific performances. I think 
improvisation is important because it shows um, human creativity in the moment. Also, particularly when you are improvising, you could improvise as a solo performer, but in this situation we're a group of people. Also, we're figuring out how it is that we're going to work together and create something beautiful. And sometimes the way to respond is to sit quietly and make a space for someone else. And sometimes it's your turn or it's your job to step in and make some interaction. There is no wrong because we didn't plan anything in particular. It doesn't mean that things don't go wrong. Of course, uh, it doesn't matter how much you practice, sometimes accidents happen. But we practice so that our bodies are ready uh, for many different possibilities. And also, even if we jump in and propose a new energy to someone in the dance, that actually we do that with some sensitivity. Fergus also presented his solo dance Cure at the Hong Kong Cultural Center on Thursday, the 3rd of December. As both a choreographer and a dancer, Fergus feels the solo dance experience is very different from the group improvisations. For him, it's more like a spacewalk. When I do Cure, it's a little bit like being an astronaut doing a spacewalk. The astronaut is on his or her own out there in the middle of space, kind of in their suit, doing their thing. But lots of other people trained them so that they could do this. And then there are also lots of people, like my technical team who are supporting me, like sitting back at the base, watching, making kind of adjustments. I feel their energy and their ideas, and I'm trying to connect to them when I do the performance. I don't make dance to tell a story. Um, mostly I make dance to ask questions. Um, Cure is focused on this idea of recovery. I want to propose that dancers, we know something about recovery through our bodies. Because dancers, we practice every day to go down to the ground and stand up again, down to the ground and stand up again. So maybe we know already some information about how to, to take the next steps. You've probably heard of the trumpet, the trombone, and the saxophone. But there's another brass wind instrument that attracts a lot less attention. It's a euphonium. Englishman euphonium player Stephen Mead has tried to correct that and now has over 70 CDs to his credit. He's been described as one of the world's most recorded solo brass artists, does more than 75 solo performances a year, and is here today to tell us more. Well, Misa and Stephen Mead, welcome to the program. Thank you Thank very you. much. This yeah. is, in fact, the first time we've had a euphonium on the program, and we don't have just one, we have two. This is just absolutely marvelous. Uh, can you begin by telling us a little bit about this instrument? Well, it's, it's called a euphonium, and that seems to be the name that's becoming more and more accepted around the world. It's been called different things. I don't mean that in the wrong way. In different <laughs> countries, you know, the, the petite bass, the bombardino, the baritone, the baritone in America. And uh, over the last 50 years, it's become more 
identifiable. So it's a, a tenor brass instrument. It's part of the tuba family. Um, it's a conical brass instrument and makes a beautiful sound. So we're, we feel very lucky that we're able to play it. And uh, was the euphonium a popular instrument in Japan when you were growing up? Yes, uh, there's many uh, wind band in almost all school, junior, uh, elementary school, junior high school, high school, and uh, after that, community band. Mm. Now, Stephen, you've been involved really on the, on the forefront of the euphonium for most of your entire career, mm. really, um, including developing the instrument and commissioning pieces or being involved with pieces written for you. Uh, can you share with us some of those experiences and, and perhaps some of the highlights in terms of your career with the euphonium? Yeah, I, from as one of my earliest memories, you know, 13, 14 years old, I had this passion for the euphonium. I was really surprised that it, was, it seemed impossible to make a career playing the instrument. It wasn't in the symphony orchestra. So I, I went uh, on, a, on a journey, really. I'm still on that journey. I became a high school music teacher, did that for six years. And then all the music conservatories in the UK suddenly realized they needed a euphonium teacher. And I did like five of them in a week in London and Manchester and Glasgow. And um, that was the beginning of the journey. I got involved with Besson, the instrument company. They asked me to help with designs. Um, I started talking to composers. And it wasn't really a question of me begging them. It's like I had a pretty high profile and they wanted you know, they wanted to write music for me. So on the way, I've had many highlights in different countries. I think probably back in 1986, the first performance at the Royal Albert Hall in London is one that sticks in the memory when people ask me. Uh, now, in terms of, of projects in the pipeline or, mm. or doing recordings, is that, is that something that's uh, on your radar? Do you have any, anything uh, to share with us? Yeah, I've made about 75 CDs. I almost think I've done enough. Um, but uh, at some point, I want to do a, a major recording with symphony orchestra, and I have some repertoire in the pipeline. I want to do something with string quartet. Um, next year, we've got some interesting traveling, a lot in South America, going to Brazil and Peru next year, and a lot in Spain. And, and actually just keep doing what, I doing what I'm doing, because I love teaching. I teach in Manchester. I have 25 students. Uh, in my studio from 10 different countries. Now, here in the studio right now, I feel a, a euphonium duet coming on. Mm -hmm. Can you introduce that for us? Yeah, it's called Two-Part Invention by Philip Spark, one of the most popular wind band, brass band composers. And uh, it's after a short little introduction, it's kind of all action to the end. So I, I hope your listeners and viewers enjoy it. Well, Misa and Stephen Mead, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 